You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? All right, welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. Chris, it's been a while. We've we've been on vacation. We've been on uh, hiatus. Uh, good way of putting it. Just yeah. been, uh, it gets busy. So uh, we are back though, and this is uh, a Christmas episode. Essentially, we, Christmas just passed. We're we're gonna be talking about Christmas stories and the end of the year, and we'll have another I- issue out next Wednesday where we talk about uh, the stories that we enjoyed over the 2017. Yeah, the, the best of the best for 2017. So that's uh, something for our listeners to look forward to. Uh, one thing, though, and it's something that I really wanted to get off my chest, Chris. Um, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. All now, right. Let's now, bring in the soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get me up on my, my, my Stanley soapbox so I can, uh, <laughs> I can go out there on a message. Now, uh, you can chime in if you want to. If you don't want to. Uh, and I want to say that I, this is... My opinion, and my opinion alone, I don't represent all of Geek Elite Radio when saying this. We all have our own <laughs> opinions, and uh, but it is something that I feel like I have to say. I think I do agree with you, because I miss when they used to do three staples, and now with only two <laughs> staples in the spine, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's just not as dirty. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's not what I'm going to be talking about. Um, I guess what I want to talk about is representation. Okay. So it's something that's become quite the the issue as of late, especially since the comic books have become uh, more movie properties. Yes, very much so. So, look, I I don't have a problem with re- representation. I feel like every race, every person should be represented in one way or another. The problem I have is the way that people talk about it, the way that people... And once again, this is a, probably an un- unpopular opinion, but this is my opinion. It's the way that people say, look, this now my ex can see uh, themselves up on the screen or themselves in the comic book because that person looks like my, my whatever or looks like me and I, can, I, can, uh, I feel represented. Right. That's fine. You can feel represented that way. I think th- the problem I have with it is that you're looking at comic books and movies the wrong way then to me. And this is me as a Asian American mixed race child to adult man. I've never seen mine myself in there. Maybe Ryan Choi, I think is probably the closest character I have maybe in comic books. Right. But see, I don't look for the character that looks like me. I look into characters of what I can take from them. So I come in, I don't need Superman to be Asian American. I need to take from Superman what the, you know, his... Being a good man. What, yeah, being yeah being a good man, being a, a kind person, what he represents. Right. I, do, it's, I, can read, I can read Black Panther and not feel like I don't understand it because I'm not a black man. Yeah, this book's not for me because I don't fit that genre. Exactly. Yeah. No, this is... I take from that, like, this is how you would 
lead a group of people. This is how you lead a country. This is how you be a prosperous king. I can read Wonder Woman and be like, look, I understand how, you know, I need, this is how you, 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 you take what you're not, sorry, getting ahead of myself. (laughs) You take the fact that you, you might've been born as one thing. And in her case, a weapon, a living weapon. Right. And she's made it something else. She's made it so that she can fight for truth and justice. You know, she she's made it so that she can bring peace to man's world through maybe violence, if that's what she has to do. But through right. her her leadership and through her role modeling, I don't need to be a woman to understand that. I and the problem I have is that so many people come up and say, "Look." You know, it's about time. It's about time. Uh, Patty Jenkins is directing Wonder Woman because you need a woman to tell that story. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I, I, I need I need Patty Jenkins to make more movies. <clears throat> don't get me wrong. Right. Because she's a phenomenal director. Right. And I need her to... And, and, and seeing that only a woman can direct Wonder Woman... Now, I, I, I get it. I, see, I, I know there's going to be people out there being like, well, how can a man understand what a woman is going through in that situation how can a man tell that story i feel like that's a dangerous slope because we're supposed to be storytellers or directors are supposed to be storytellers writers are supposed to be storytellers they're supposed to be able to convey whatever it is to their audience if they can't do that then they shouldn't be telling the story right it doesn't matter their gender or their race or their uh ethnicity or their uh sexual orientation all these things should not matter is whether or not they can tell a story if you go down this dangerous slope, then that means only men can direct movies about men. Is that is that what we're saying? Because yeah, now we're really peg-holing people into like, sorry, this is your grouping. You stay there. Right. Because going back to Wonder Woman for a second, think of some of your best artists and writers of Wonder Woman. George Perez. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Rucka. Mm-hmm. Phil Jimenez. Now imagine, and I'm not saying, but imagine if we went to a point where we just said, yeah, exactly. You have to be, you like in order for Wonder Woman to be successful, it has to be written by a woman. We would have missed out on some amazing stories. We would have missed out on, on creators that care about a character because <clears throat> like I've thought about that too. It's, it's like, you know, what if things had gone, what if things had gone like the way they were originally, not originally planned to, but how they were announced in some cases. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm losing his name right now. Serenity, director of the Avengers. Josh uh, Whedon. Josh Whedon. Remember when the announcement was he was going to do Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. I think that would have been great. I'm not saying any disrespect to Patty Jenkins because right. Patty Jenkins hit a home run. Oh, yeah. And I'll be honest, I've been, I'm very ignorant when it comes to my directors and behind the scenes on movies. And uh, I, I'll just watch a movie and I've never been like, oh, this was so much better because that director was this skin color, this. You no, know, I just was like, that's a beautiful story. Right. You know, but please continue on, continue. Yeah, no, no. And, and uh, for those who don't know, if you want to check out Joss Whedon's script for Wonder Woman, it is out there on the internet. It has not gotten very great reviews, but that is just a script, and it's yeah. you know probably a rough draft or whatever. Exactly. I, I I give him the benefit of the doubt because I love a lot of his work. Yeah, well, you I don't mean, have Buffy, to yeah. again. Like uh, that, that was something I never got into just because I didn't really care for the movie and I haven't made time for it. I probably would now, but just because I've heard of more of his stories and things like that. But again, is it any less because of the creator? No. You know? Yeah. No. No. It's exactly. That's. I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at, and it's. I just find it it's similar when we we have we have stories like that in comic books cuz you know it's we have 
the idea that you know representation isn't there and i really feel like it is but once again it's not what you should be taking from the story you should be taking the values from these characters and i'm not saying i mean I, nowhere in that am i saying that t'challa doesn't share, share the same values as superman no that's not what i'm saying at all right but i'm just saying you should as a reader be taking what the writer from in those stories is trying to tell you and it shouldn't matter who what the medium is if that makes sense no it does because like and it's funny because again with i i love to kid around with this and i'm going to use an, an, an unpopular phrase here but sjw's uh-huh there's been a lot of sjw's and that's why i'm even scared to be in the comic shop talking and i'm very scared to voice my opinion because a lot of times people will get angry and it's like, but that's not what I want when I talk comic books. I don't want anger. I mean, yeah, maybe I could be like, dude, really Lobo lost to Wolverine. That's BS. <laughs> I don't even like Lobo, you know, but I mean, I don't really mix that into my comics as much because it's to me, that world's always been fairly represented and I'm not, I guess I shouldn't say fairly represented, but it is a representation. There's been a lot of great culture in comic books, but because this culture is popular or this culture because and I say this as a white man so you know my opinion is well you're fairly represented no I'm not because I'm also a quarter Cherokee I'm three quarters Irish you know my character is Banshee and we play him off as oh there he is Banshee drinking and being a fool again you know and it's like yeah but I never got mad because I knew there were parts of Banshee that that's the man he was he had his good moments he had his bad moments he was a cop who saw horrible things on the street he was a cop who didn't get to be there for his daughter and now he finds out he has a daughter and you're like okay that makes more sense because that's the thing is when you look to me with comics when you look to these characters you care about them as people you know like when i go make friends i'm not like well i need friends of this and i need friends of that i'm just like that that person's cool i like what they have to say and i get interested and i do the exact same thing with my comic books roadie is a great character you know he's been on so many struggles he's done so many amazing things Honestly, he's a better Iron Man than Tony Stark is. Oh, yeah. You know? But I've also come to learn that, you know, there's characters that just don't hold books. You know, Rhodey's good for a miniseries. He's good for maybe a year, a year and a half, but his book's going to get canceled. And I know right now everybody was getting angry. You know, Marvel just canceled a ton of books. Mm -hmm. But again, this is where I ask those fans, are you supporting that book then? Are you reading you know, that book? Are you reading that book? Are you going out there and doing the hustle to put it out there and to say, hey, you know, everybody read this book. Here's good information. You know, nowadays we can all do that. I'm, you know, not a professional. I'm an amateur and I've been playing with Twitter and putting stuff out there and getting people to look at books that they normally wouldn't. I've even put my money where my mouth is. You know, you buy it, you don't like it, I'll buy it off you, you know? So it's that's the big thing about comics, you know? I mean, right now, oh, I'm so happy that Spider-Man of the 90s is back, Ben Riley. I know that book's going to get canceled. That's why I take every issue and I enjoy it and I'm out there doing what I can to promote the book. You know, it's that's what you do. It's it's going to happen, you know, and that's why, you know, you write, you write yourself, you write out there and you put out the information. So, I mean, to yeah, to kind of peg hole or say that it hasn't been happening. That's when I really know some of these people aren't they haven't discovered the full world of comics yet. You know, because we've had female creators, we've had creators of all kinds of uh, cultures that are not necessarily fairly represented, you know, and, and you're right. When I when I read Superman, he doesn't look like me. 
You know, that's why I enjoy Green Lantern. I mean, it's hard being the spinning image of Hal Jordan, but, you know, I do. I make do, you know. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's those things that, yes, we do draw closer to characters. Like, why do I like Cyclops so much? Because I wear glasses. So when that cartoon came on and he had to struggle with glasses, wow, that made a connection. So I can understand that. I can see how somebody like, hey, that 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 character's just like me. That character's got the same hair as me and all the, the, the skin tone as me or the same religion as me. And I think that's neat. But let it happen organically and you'll be so much more the grateful for it. You know, look at Giant Size X-Men number one. That comic is huge in diversity because it took the X-Men and it made it worldwide and it was beautiful for it. And because of that, that's why we have the X-Men grow naturally. Yeah, when you're creating a new character, you could say, hey, you know what, maybe this time let's go for a character that's of Latin descent or let's have a character that comes from Greece. Nothing wrong with that because it's all new. But then when you take somebody and you're like, no, let's take this character and change it to fit that norm, it won't work. You know, and it's, I mean, yeah, of course, everybody wants representation. Nothing wrong with that. And I think a writer or an artist, that's your challenge is to say, okay, fine, let's take a character. We'll, we'll start with those origins and let's make it all the better for it. But at the same time, the fan base, yeah, you're going to have to do the work. You know, there's been plenty of times X-Men has been canceled. Avengers has been canceled. It happens. So you as the fan support your comics. Go out there, you know, and enjoy it. Embrace it more. Don't look to something and say, well, this doesn't fit my norm, so therefore it's not right. I mean, that's, I agree with you. I, I've seen that where it's, you know, only this, this, oh man, what's the demographic can tell that story. And it's like, no, they can add to that story for sure. But a lot of people can tell a story, you know, I, I and I've been ignorant in this one. I've never read Moss. And Moss is beautiful. It's won so many awards. Every time I flip through it, I'm like, ah, this is beautiful. And it's it's the story of the Jewish Holocaust told with cats and mice. Right. And, you know, and it wasn't even the, the, the main guy. He basically told stories that his grandfather told him. And it's like, yeah, and he did a beautiful book. He put it out there, you know, go out there and find it. There is fair representation, you know. Sorry, but. <laughs> no, no. That, I mean, that's that is adding to what I was saying. And, and it it's. I, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't really have a lot of examples of what I'm trying to say, but it is, it's out there. I mean, you, when you're on the internet and social media and stuff like that, you see it. And I just, I feel like it's just the, it's a detriment to yourself to not read certain things just because you feel like, uh, it's not a character that represents you. Yeah. Um, that being said, I wanted to also touch on uh, cultural appropriation, which it's kind of the same and not the same. And the reason I bring this up is because uh, since we last recorded, uh, Marvel named a new EIC. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, C.B. Sobolski. Uh, I've met him before at, at San Diego Comic-Con. No kidding. Yeah. Nice. Talked, talked a little bit just about, I mean, he, it was after his breaking into comics um, panel and stuff like that. And, you know, at that time he wasn't, he wasn't a writer to my knowledge. He was, <laughs> he was, uh, he was the, the person that finds new talent and stuff like that. So, uh, the story came out after he had, um, been named the new uh, editor in chief that at a point in time for Marvel, he was writing underneath a pseudonym, a pseudonym, sorry. Um, and the name was of Japanese origin and he had written some, somewhat Japanese stories um, and you know everybody assumed that this writer was Japanese 
now come to find out that you know he 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 divulged it because he came to EAC. Uh, came come to find out that it was him, and you know people kind of jumped on him. It was like this is cultural appropriation. This is the worst thing. This is one of the worst things that you can do. You know, you're taking uh, another uh, another culture and you're making it um, so that you know that it's not their story anymore. Now, the problem I have with this, once again, I don't, you know, as a Asian American of mixed of mixed race, I I don't see where I'm supposed to fit in culturally if I'm not allowed to appropriate other people's cultures. Look, when you put on blackface or yellow face or red face or any one of the one different faces that, that come out now and, and white face now, I, I think that's, you know, bad too. If you're, you're making fun of a, a certain race by exaggerating their features or, you know, doing stuff like that, that is wrong. That is, there's no place for that in our society anymore. Yeah, I know. But if you're celebrating their 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 culture by bringing light to things that you love about those cultures, then there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. There, it's all a picture online. Who knows? It's online. It could be completely false. It could be completely true. Whatever. Uh, you have a little girl. She is dressed in a Japanese kimono. A little white girl. She's uh-huh. dressed in a Japanese kimono. She's there's a uh, tea set behind her, and uh, it's completely you know set up so that she can have her own little tea party japanese tea party mm-hmm. first person that gets on there comments says you know this is cultural appropriation that little white girl should not be doing that she should not be dressed in that kimono anything like that someone in quote unquote of japanese culture says no there's nothing wrong with this she her parents have taught her to be respectful they have they have it set up in the completely right right way you have no idea if this this girl is adopted or, you know, she might be uh, of a mixed race. Maybe one of her parents is Japanese. You don't you have no no clue about any of that. Her grandparents or whatever, but they they it's it's completely set up. It's set up the way it's supposed to be. It's it, she is being respectful and all this stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. And I I fall on that line. There's nothing wrong with celebrating other other cultures. We're supposed to be promoting that. We're supposed to want that. Now, you, if we go if we go along that way, and I'm not one to just stick up for the white man because I just <laughs> I don't think they really need it. But if white people aren't allowed to celebrate other people's cultures, then and you definitely don't want them to celebrate you know the some of the stuff that, that is in white culture that's from the past. We don't want the Klan to come back. We don't want Nazis to come around. What are they supposed to celebrate? I mean. So, and I, I know I'm looking at you because you're the white bra- you're the white man in the room right now. But it's it, I'm not directing it at you. I'm just saying, if we can't celebrate each other's differences as as cultures and then come together as one, I mean, as I've said many times, I'm of mixed race. I have many different cultures in me. But which one am I only supposed to go with? The one that I look most like? Am I only supposed to go towards the one? That uh, you know that my that my name sounds like you know because I've had every I've had every culture known to man at uh, thrown at me at growing up because of my name because of the way I look because of my size you know it's gone everywhere from 
Native American to Polynesian to uh, Asian and then uh, and then uh, Inuit. You know, it's like all over the place because people just don't. I I'm of the the multicultural. You know, so which one am I supposed to to celebrate? I mean, if I if I went out and uh, learned how to ice fish like an Inuit, would I be in the wrong because I'm culturally appropriating their something? But then you look at. Look at like the Jabberwockies. I don't know if you yeah the dance crew the dance crew yeah that's primarily Asian and, and Hispanic people, but breakdancing is a is black culture, isn't it? Yeah, so it's more from there. Yeah. What I mean, are they appropriate culture? Is is that only bad if if it's white people that are doing it? I don't understand. People are getting too upset about things that shouldn't that shouldn't separate us. We these are things that we should be honoring and and respecting now. Like I said in the beginning, it's uh, if if you're going in there to defame, to detriment, to uh, mock, then you're in the wrong. You should not mock other people's cultures. You should not mock other people. It's just not what we need in this world anymore. Yeah. So that's there's there's my Stanley soapbox. I, I've I've had I, that's what I, I just. This this last couple of uh, months, I just felt like there's something that needed to be said, um, at least by me, for me. It, no one else has to take any of it. No one else has to uh, oblige to it. No one else has to respect it. Even like, you, I, you know, you don't have to respect other people's opinions. Really, I mean, you can no, take you, it. honestly, you don't. You take it. You you don't take it. That's yeah. it's just what it is. Uh, it's it's just me ranting. Um, and I felt like I needed it just because, uh, and I, I felt I wanted to do it on this podcast because of the two subjects. I like comic books are a big part of my life and, uh, and movies are the other big part of my life. And, and these two things seem to be happening there. Like I understand that people, when people get upset that you have, uh, said white actor playing the role of a character that was Asian or a character that was black or, you know, like they changed the, the, the race. I understand when right you can get upset by that. But when you come to like Dr. Strange with the ancient one, she's not, it's not one. It's not even a, she, yeah, it's that a, was a big change. That's like, a but, big change, but it's she, like the ancient one's not really Asian. She's ancient. She's or or at in the comic book he's he's ancient like that's you're talking about a like Rachel Ghoul not really uh, Middle Eastern he's literally immortal he's of everywhere he just took on a name from that region so you can't be upset you you can't Doctor Strange in the movie is the perfect example for me at least I like to I like to bring it up if you have Baron Mordu come out you know a character that was your uh, Eastern European white in the movie gets changed to Chia- Chiwetel Ejiofor, black actor, phenomenal black actor. I think uh, I think he did a great job as Baron as Baron Mordu. But you can't if you if you praise that, but then you know uh, complain about Tilda Swinton, who is also a great actress, getting cast as the ancient one for a character that really has no race. It's kind of the double standard that you're you're promoting. You're well, it it pleads to an ignorance. Right. I'm sorry to use that word, but no, I've I've been in those shoes many times. You know, where it's you see, it's like we we spank one hand for doing that, but then we applaud the other for doing the exact same thing. But it's in different 
packaging. And well, it's like, it, that's the way it is. Well, know? see, I, I understand that, you know, Hollywood has been very white for a very long time. So people, it's, it's a pendulum effect. And this was told to me when I was leaving high school by our guidance counselor. He came out and he told our whole graduating class that this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to college and, and the pendulum effect is going to take into, into effect, is going gonna, is gonna to happen to you. You're going into college. You're away from your family for the first, away from your parents for the first time. You don't have real authority over you. You're going to party. Your pendulum <laughs> has been to one side for so long because someone's been sitting there watching you, keeping you under strict whatever. You're going to swing to the other side and you're going to cause problems. You're going to, you're going to party. You're going to get yourself sick. You're going to spend too much money. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. But it's a pendulum. You're going to swing back. So eventually you're going to you're going to meet in the you're going to fall you're going to fall in the middle like you're supposed to and you know your life will work out. I I I adapt that to a lot of things in life now. Like it's been really white for a very long time in Hollywood. It's been really male for a very long time in comic books. It's going to swing back. It's going to swing the other way. People are going to praise when we do something different now because it's a black director. It's a uh, a woman writer. It's uh, you know, it's it's uh, a, a homosexual creator. Whatever that. So all those things are getting praised. It's it's super awesome, and that it is super awesome. Everybody that's good at what they do should get praised. Right. That's just something that should happen. It shouldn't matter what their race is, or their sex, or their sexual orientation. And then when it swings back the other way. It's, you know, there's a little bit of backlash. So once we find that middle ground where it's not going to be a, a super fucking amazing thing that said female director has made a f- great movie, it's going to be like, oh, okay, she made a movie or she made a bad movie. Like, that's the other dangerous thing is like you Wonder Woman became real close of of, well, this is the woman movie. If this is this movie doesn't do well, it's because it's a woman. It's like no, it shouldn't. It, that shouldn't that be. That shouldn't it. be part of the discussion, right? Really. It shouldn't be part of the discussion at all. Like it, it, it's not representing all women. It's not representing everything. It's, it's not the end all say all of what's going to happen in Hollywood for women directors because there's going to be women directors and there's going to and there were women directors before her. Yeah. You know, so the same thing shouldn't happen here and. You know, once uh, it gets back to the middle and we can just be happy when we get good stories, uh, I guess I'll be happier. I don't know. That's that's uh, 20 minutes. I, I've gone 20 <laughs> minutes on talking about this, and I, I'm sorry. No, but you know what? Honestly, I hope nobody's I'm, turned I'm, it off by now. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate this discussion. I do. Because honestly, like... Uh, you know, um, I'm going to bounce back and forth on both of you, so I hope you don't mind. But one thing I've always learned was integration, not segregation. You know, I'm, I've been very lucky in my life because, and it's funny, like even right now you said, you know, I'm the white guy in the room. And I am, but, you know, it, I'm also, you know, Cherokee. But my, my, my white features stick out more. And that's what's sad because if we talk about cultural uh, appropriation. appropriation, you know, if I ever put a headdress on, people are going to look at me and they're like, oh, look at this jerk. And it's like, wait a second, you don't know the full facts. You know, that that is of my my ancestry, you know. And one thing I get sad about, and it's funny because I always remember this when I was taking a, a cultural class uh, back when I was working on my degree as, as a teacher. And it was obviously, you know, cultural appreciation. And, you know, I'm glad that they taught us that because in the classroom it's like, you're going to deal with everybody. But most importantly, you've got to remember who you're dealing with, kids. 
And I like that because kids, it's a non-sexual word. It's a non-racial word. It is just kids. And that's what I like. And I was like, yeah, exactly. You know, and they really want us to understand that, you know, when you're talking to the student, who are you talking to? I'm talking to that student. You know, it's I'm talking to Billy. I'm talking to Joanne. You know, I, I know them. And I, I thought that was one of the best things ever. But I always remember one thing that, that was kind of funny that stood out. We had two Native American women there. And the question came up a lot. Is it Native American or is it American Indian? And, you know, at the time, at this time, that was still up in the air. It's like, well, which one, which one's the correct one? Which one should we be saying? And they asked the younger girl and she's like, well, it's Native American because it puts Native first. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, all right. You know, if that's your logic, that's your logic. And they asked the older woman and she said, no, I'm Hopi. That's my tribe. That's who I am. And I thought, wow, okay, that's interesting. And, and here you have, you know, there's, there's going to be all kinds of differences. So the more important thing is to know the person. And I think that's great. And that's why when I look at those things, it's like, yeah, like I'm not going to, if I saw that picture, as long as it's not being disrespectful to her culture, I'm hoping that girl learns something. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hoping that she's like, wow, you know, because a lot of people do get turned on by the Japanese culture. It is a beautiful thing. A lot of the Asian cultures, it's, I love, you know, like when I look at some of the scrolls of the samurai, I'm like, that is cool. You know, that is like, you know, like you talk about with a pendulum, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. You know, when I first get out of my own, yeah, Doritos every day, I'll go to bed when I'm tired. But then when you wake up midday and you're sick of it, you're like, okay, I got to learn structure. And that's what I like about, you know, the, the, the cultures. And even then I've been lucky enough that I've dated enough people. I've been friends with enough people that I, they've exposed me to stuff, you know, Hey, come to my church. And I go to their church and I go as a Catholic and I'm like, wow, that's cool what they did. You know, their stories are just like mine. And that's the thing is when you go and you investigate more, it's beautiful because in the end, you're kind of like, that's cool. We have that same similarity. You know, this story is the same story that I have. So maybe we should look at the origins of it and see where it goes further. You know, and sharing culture is a beautiful thing. I mean, I know this is a goofy example, but I'm going to use it. When we look at Wolverine, his samurai-ness comes out a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cultural, I'm sorry, appropriation, appropriation, you know, because I mean, do we even know if he's fully Canadian? You know, maybe he was born in America. I mean, I I can't, I don't remember my origin, but I mean, but that's a man who went and traveled the world and he saw all these things and that's what really he gravitated because it helped him find inner peace, you know, and that to me, that's what stories are about. That's what culture is about. You know, it's, you should never say, oh, I'm not going to take you into my home because you're this. It should be based on your merit. You know, like, sorry, I won't let you into my house because you're not trustworthy. But I would let any stranger in and you work with them, you talk with them and you share with them. And when once we start sharing, that's where you get rid of, you know, I mean, it's, it's the classic story of the X-Men. You know, it's like everybody likes these people until they discover that when Scott takes off his glasses, optic glass, until Hank or Kurt take off their image inducers and you see that blue fur, you know. But before that, it's like, wow, this is a genius to talk to. That's a well-cultured person. And that's what we should strive for. And again, integration, integration, not segregation. Let's, let's get involved with each other as opposed to just blocking it out. You know, and I've seen that plenty of times, too, because, you know, I laugh when it's like, okay, well, you know, the Kingpin, um, when you when they first had the first Daredevil movie, I can't think of the actor's name right Michael now. Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan. So they, they announced him as Kingpin. I was a little hesitant at first. I was like, oh, man, you know, because I have an image of what the comic book character looks like. But I kept an open mind. I saw the film. And I loved the way Michael Clark Duncan played it because he had fun with the role. And I was like, that's cool. 
Okay, awesome. You know, it didn't bug me. But then I've seen it where it goes, you know, the other way where it's like, well, now we'll take a white actor and put it in there. And that part gets to a point where even the actor's like, look, I have to deny it. I have to deny myself work because if I take this, I'm going to get culturally slammed. And it's like, well, that's not fair because why is it okay one way and not the other? You know, and eventually, I mean, I've seen this. Like, I, I didn't really, I used to be very firm about it. I was like, no, we've seen what these characters look like. You, you should never have, you know, like try to stay as close as you can. But then I've realized it happened with Shakespeare. You know, some of Othello, you know, there's great versions where we, we, we flip the, the, the pigmentation, we, we flip the gender, and it comes out that much better for it. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I've got nothing wrong with that. And, you know, eventually actors will come. We will have, you know, and, uh, you know, Will Smith could have played Clark Kent. Okay, that's fine. But what I worry about is, will Will Smith understand Clark Kent? Will he give me those values? You know, because you even had, you know, a big one right now. You had Kevin Costner play Paul Kent. Yeah, that looks pretty darn good. But he didn't get Clark Kent. Paul Kent. He didn't get get Jonathan Kent. And that kind of made me sad. Now, maybe that's his fault. Maybe that was the director. Maybe that was the script. I don't know. You know, I mean, somebody didn't get it. Get the character. Yeah, and it, it just, it was missed. And to me, that's where the loss is. You know, the trappings are, you know, I want good quality actors and actresses. And that's why I like some of these words. Writer, illustrator, director, storyteller. They are not, they're, they're, they're words. Mm-hmm. Anybody can be that. And that's what we should stress. I want as many kids in English classrooms to be inspired to create. I want as many kids in art classrooms to inspire to create. That way we win. You know, because people haven't seen that. Like, comic books are new to everybody else. It's like, hey, everybody, welcome, you know, but don't don't tread on me as well. You know, and, and I've seen that. I mean, I love when DC gets better because Marvel gets better. And when Marvel ups their game, DC has to catch up. And that's where it wins. But now, yeah, we've, we've been kind of stagged because, well, is this box checked? Is that box checked? And if we're doing it to check a box, we're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, I got off of it earlier, uh, I guess, by accident. But uh, the whole story with C.B. Sobolski, um, you know, he uh, he he apologized. And obviously, Marvel knows the story. I mean, I think of anything, he's, he broke their own rules. Because the reason why he did it under a pseudonym is so that he could get around the fact that he already worked for, for Marvel in one capacity and, and wasn't able to write a story in another capacity. So he, he created a, a character to do that. Now, was he representing to be Japanese? Who knows? What if he just legally changed his own name to that? Would people still be upset? The guy loves Japanese culture. Like, if you follow his Twitter before this, before this whole thing, it talks about all the, you know, the, the yeah. different times that he'd gone. I mean, I, I, he was living over there. I'm pretty sure he even married a Japanese woman, but I'm not, I, I don't quote me on that. Right. But uh, it's just, it to me, he wasn't doing anything wrong. And if, if Marvel went ahead and said, you know, we still, uh, you know, we've reprimanded you whatever way we want and we still accept you, then that's should have been, the, that should be the end of it. Yeah. But, you know, everybody has an opinion, so everybody is allowed to voice it. So exactly. That's what it is. All right. All that's done. <laughs> We're going to get on to some, uh, the real serious business now. Back to comics. <laughs> Let's talk about a little bit of uh, comic book news. You wanted to, um, there, there was uh, something, something just came out, something. The rumor? Yes. Okay. Yes. So now take this with a grain of salt. Okay. Okay. So the big rumor mill, and we've all been wondering, okay, 
Brian Michael Bendis is leaving Marvel. This is insane. <laughs> you know, this is this is too. Uh, uh, this is like Stan Lee leaving Marvel. You right. know, like this is something huge. Bendis has been Marvel's head creator for a long time, and he's going to DC Comics. Wow! Oh my gosh, this is insane. And what I and you and I have had countless conversations. Like, where do you put him? Where do you put Brian Michael Bendis? Where do you, you write? Know, yeah. Where Where does he go? And so, and I don't know if we talked about this yet, but you know, it's it, it his the the announcement of his stuff has been a little bit postponed because unfortunately he was struck oh with a, a strange ailment, some kind of disease. Where I don't know the exact. He lost his eyesight yeah, for a little lost bit. Lost his eyesight. Um, it's been affecting his vision, and to the point where yeah, he was very close to near death. Yeah. Um, he's not entirely out of the woods as of this recording and we wish um, him a, a speedy yeah. recovery and uh, uh, happy health he's a beautiful happy man yes i want him to live as best as he can and i never want to see anybody in pain but you know this he, man tells me some damn good stories <laughs> yeah he does and he teaches that uh how to like how to write comic book stories at portland university or something like that yeah that's right is, he's is a teacher yeah he also is, does that as well i've always wanted to, t- to sit in on that class just to see what he what he is as like a as a uh as a teacher as a professor it would be kind of cool to get to be in on one of those classes and just be like, wow, you know, like for me, a little bit of a tangent, if you don't mind, but like um, the lead singer for Bad Religion, um, he does that as well. He teaches over at UCLA. He teaches archaeology classes. And that would be so awesome to go sit in there and just see this guy like because that's where he gets excited when he talks about the origins of man. And if you listen to Bad Religion music, that's what they sing about as well. And it's like, this would be so cool, you know, to like, oh, my God. And I feel bad because here I am saying I'm a fan and I can't think of the guy's name right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to forget and it'll pop up to me. So randomly, I'm going to say a name and that's what it'll like, be. Well, who's this guy? <laughs> and that's the gentleman I'm talking about. <laughs> but Greg Graffin. There we go. <laughs> So Bendis, the rumor is okay. So the big rumor now, again, this is this is taken with a grain of salt. He is going to be the head writer of Superman. Now, now Superman the, the comic book. The Superman the comic book. Not and not not, not action. Just we're, we're he's getting Superman. Um, and then you're gonna have Ivan Rise and Joe Prado will take over the art duties. And Ivan Rise and Joe Prado, their art is beautiful. Uh, he is a top caliber artist. He was the artist on Green Lantern with Jeff Johns, and then he segued into Blackest Night, and now they put him on special things. Um, yeah, I am totally excited for this. You know, it's like, wow. Okay. So who is on Superman right now as a writer? So you had... Um, Oh, Pete Tomasi and uh, Gleason, Patrick Gleason. They've been the co-writers, and Gleason every now and then has been on art duties. But they recently left the book. They've had a couple of fillers. That's why they had the Superman Green Lantern guest guest spot and, and some stuff like that. So... And Pete Tomasi's no slouch himself. He tells some incredible stories. So I'm excited to see where he's going to go. Maybe, honestly, I, th- I would say put Bendis in the Superman seat. Now that Pete Tomasi's up in the air, JSA. That's what I would love to see. Mm. Um, but, I mean, Bendis on Superman. And it kind of makes sense because I was reading something. I think it was on Bendis's Twitter. And he was talking about how he got the idea. He went back home. And he also decided while he was home, he's like, oh, I'll go visit the Superman Museum. I've never been there. So he goes to the Superman Museum. And as he's walking around, he's just immersed in the Superman culture to the point where he's like, I have to write this. Mm-hmm. I have to work for this company. And he did. He, 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 you know, hey, my contract's up in the air. I'm going to go over. Um, let's, let's see what happens. So 
Wow, you know what? What are your thoughts on this? On, I mean, on, on Superman. I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, the man who is, except for me, um, really structured the Marvel universe uh, for the better part of a decade and a half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why not put him on the flagship, you know, character for DC? I mean, he did Ultimate Spider-Man. He he created Ultimate Spider-Man and, and gave us and, the Ultimate Universe. And gave us the whole <laughs> Ultimate Universe. So. Uh, what can he do with Superman? I, I am, I'm, ex- I, I would be excited to see that if that, if that's the thing that it happens and you know, more power to him. Uh, some of the other stories that I thought would be great, you know, I think he should, he would be the perfect guy to bring back the JSA just, yeah. just because of what I, I remember reading of his Avengers. I think the JSA would be a great book. Um, you know, uh, what's uh, guardians of the galaxy. I, I've never actually read his guardians of the galaxy, but I know how much you love it. So, you know what's the equivalent to that in the in the DC universe? I mean, that's where you could put him on Legion of Superheroes. Legion you know, of Superheroes, that would do, be great like, too. Honestly, we talked about this. It's like we've never been real big Legion fans, but we would see ourselves buying that book. It's yeah. Like, okay, I, I will. I will take it out on his name credit. I will try <laughs> it just because it's Bendis. <laughs> so and and you know uh, he did he did that uh, that um, rock bottom I think is what it's called for Moon Knight. Um, so that's. A somewhat version of Batman. Oh, Let, let's man. see what what he could do with Batman, dude. He could do some stuff with Batman. Like honestly, like I think he did Sam and Twitch, if I remember correctly, for Image. Could so you, he knows how to do a, te- yeah. a detective story. Well, that's where I'm like, dude, this guy could do a Bullock Gordon story that I would want to read. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, now that it's characters that I'm invested in, sure, I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll try this out. I'll give it a whirl. Uh, so yeah, there, the Bendis. Possibly writing Superman. Uh, big day in comic books if that happens. Wow. Yeah, that is that is going to be something. Uh, do you want to get into the spinner rack? Sure. All right. So today is Wednesday, the greatest day of the, greatest day of the week. <laughs> and honestly, this is the last Odin's Wednesday. Day. Uh, what's that? Odin's Day. Odin's Day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's tomorrow. That's the day you get to read the comics. <laughs> Continue reading them. But um, here we are at another Wednesday. So as always, go to your local comic shop. Give some love. But better be prepared because there's a lot to buy this week. So starting on DC Comics. <clears throat> Action Comics issue 994 is out today. This is great. Why? Because we have Dan Jurgens writing and drawing. I love Dan Jurgens' art. Um, we're going to talk about him in a little bit here, but I love his art. And what's more exciting is not only is he doing Superman, he's also got Booster Gold. So Clark and Booster are traveling in time. And the twist here is they're on a Krypton that hasn't exploded, and Clark's going to get to see some of the life he didn't have. So this is going to be real interesting. This is part of the fallout from the Mr. Oz event. And if you're reading your DC comics, you might need to get some like get a big cork board and post <laughs> some pictures and draw some strings. Cuz there's a lot of stuff to connect right now. There's a lot of things happening. So anyways, Action 994, that is very much worth picking up. Uh, we have Blue Beetle number 16. I plug that comic because I've been enjoying Blue Beetle. I've been thinking it's great. In this issue, we're supposed to be getting a new writer and artist. So I'm not sure what to expect. Uh, I hope it's good stuff. I hope there's some Ted Cord. So it's if you want to start fresh with the Beetle, this would be the issue to do it. Dark Knight's Metal number one, Director's Cut. I, I, I'm not a fan of these gimmick books because most of the time I'll buy the hardcover and that stuff's in there. But yeah, if you can't wait for the hardcover, this might be one to get. Scott Snyder takes extensive notes, so I'm very curious what's in the margins. <laughs> I want to know. So that would definitely be one to get for yourselves. 
Um, Detective Comics 971 is out there as well. That'll continue some more of this first victim, if I remember correctly, the first victim. So that's exciting stuff. Uh, Doomsday Clock number one has a second printing, just in time to come out with Doomsday Clock number two. Now, I flipped through Doomsday Clock number two. Wow. Uh, we're, we're having some of the Watchmen characters in the DCU. This is exciting. As John's told us at one of the conventions, some smart men are meeting. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil too much because I want you to read it and get that excitement, but there's going to be some interesting conversations. So next week we will probably chat a little bit more about that, hopefully. Um, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps, number 35 is out there. And if I remember correctly, this is where we have Hal Jordan facing off with um, Zod. So that's going to be very interesting to see there. And here's the big one. Um, I have unfortunately not had a chance to flip through it or see any spoilers, but Hawkman found number one. Wow. This is like, we're talking Dark Knight's metal, but Hawkman's been at the center of this. So um, if you read the last issue, I forget what, I think it was one of the, I think it was Dark Knight metal number four. We see Hawkman and he's this big hawk beast. So this is going to play into that. So is Carter going to find a way to get out of this thing? Or is that what he's going to become? I don't know, and I can't wait to read it. So pick yourself up a copy there. We also have the end of the Commandy Challenge. So that is issue 12. So this past year, we've had the Commandy Challenge, where basically Commandy is one of those offbeat characters. I believe he's a Kirby creation. And he's a young boy kind of lost in a post-apocalypse future world with dinosaur men and tiger men and all kinds of things like that. So the premise of this was each issue was a new creative team, and they basically had to work off the previous team's notes. So we didn't, nobody knew how it was going to end until this group finally came along for issue 12. So if you've been reading that or you want to cheat and check out the end of it that's the way to do it we also have nightwing the new order issue five of six out that has been a great i'm gonna say it elseworlds tell so i mean do yourself a favor pick that up and get the back issues it is very worthwhile um this is a fun one this is a neat little trade paperback out there superman adventures volume four I loved those books. I loved those cartoons, so I'm excited that they're actually taking it and reprinting it packaged together. So that could be some fun. And then this is a major book because this is a huge crossover that is either going to have some great ramifications or it's going to leave you sad. Teen Titans number 15. This is part three of the Super Sons of Tomorrow. Um, I've I, I read part one and two. Wow. Um, I gotta say, this is putting Tim, uh, this future Tim, in quite the dilemma because he's fighting to change his world and his own destiny. So at some point, it's like you can't fault him for it because he wants something better. But the way he's going to get there is the hard part. So if you read A Lonely Place of Living, he had to basically kill Batwoman, Kathy Kane, to stop his future from coming. Of course, he fails in that plot and vanishes. Well, now he's back, and this time he has to stop young Jonathan Kent. Um, and this is for the fate of Superboy. Now, I'm saying that very ambiguously. Because he has a Superboy. <laughs> yep. And it's uh, it's different than the one that's Jonathan Kent. So, uh, which I, I, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, Titans of Tomorrow, or that's what it's called, right? Well, this one's Super Sons of Tomorrow. Super Sons of Tomorrow. Okay. Um, you have Lonely Pace of Living, where uh, you have uh, adult. Tim Drake coming back and uh, you have t- uh, Super Sons of Tomorrow where you have uh, the, the Young end? Justice essentially coming back. Yeah, Young Justice coming back. You have um, in Titans, you have an immortal adult, somewhat adult, I don't know, 
uh, Donna Troy coming back to try and stop younger Donna Troy on the Titans of from being human. We have a lot of stories that are revolving around future people, like future versions of selves and hyper time and uh, multi, you know, multi dimensions and stuff like that. Right. So, do we have another crisis coming up? I think so. I I, I can see by November of next year. Well. That was December, probably January of 2019. When we're gonna Doomsday have a crisis. Clock is over. Yeah, when Doomsday Clock is over. That's clocks count down to something. <laughs> it's true. And countdown has been used a lot in the DCU. Yeah. So you know, yeah, no, there's there's something. There is something going on. There's a lot of books telling a lot of stories. The multiverse, time travel. I mean, one, huge. One of the things that they had, they did say at San Diego Comic Con this past year was. Uh, that was it San Diego? Yeah, I think it was San Diego because I saw Jeff Johns there. So I don't think he went to anything else, or at least not anything I went to. Anyway, uh, the thing that he said about Doomsday Clock, or yeah, once Doomsday Clock was over, he wouldn't be using the banner of Rebirth anymore. So the Rebirth name would be retired. So it would just be DC Comics again. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, that, that has to mean something. That has to mean we're bringing something back. We'll, they'll pro- I, I doubt we'll do another... You know, world creation like Rebirth was after New Fifty Two, and right, yeah, after New Fifty Two gonna... was after New New Earth or whatever that you want to call that was. But I think you know, if if you know, one of the speculations we've thrown out there is that the JSA comes back, that then course corrects a lot of things, and we'll just get a uh, like what we did we had in that issue of Super or Action Comics was what where they kind of just retold you everything and like this is the new continuity. Where you have the missing Superboy from the Reign of Superman yep. storyline, so I think that's what you kind of get because you don't want to do another world, uh, you know, world rebuild because no. I think I think that would just upset way too many fans. Now. Well, you've had you've asked a lot of the fan base, the new Fifty Two to accept the the new Fifty Two fans to accept the old and the old to come back. You've asked a lot already, and yeah. they've loved it and it's been great. And DC's been thanking them for it. But yeah, you're right. So, what is it going to lead to? You know, is this where we get a new history of the DC universe, and it's all together now? Mm-hmm. You know, this time when we see that homage of the death of Superman, we see Connor. Yeah, and he's there because honestly, that's what scares me. We're supposed to get this big, the death and return of Superman animated film. Are they going to cut Connor now? I mean, Dan Jurgens was willing to write that story and be like, okay, fine, but. Obviously, he wrote that knowing something was coming or yeah. going to happen. So, I mean, I'm hopeful. It, it, he wrote who 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 wrote the the return or the reign of superman well that was a collection of the writers at the time so i think you had dan jurgens was f- writing the cyborg superman on superman um so then who was writing adventures I'm trying so to remember who, yeah who, because it was adventures of with- superboy and i remember tom grummet was on the art I just wonder who's who's cre- who's credited with, with yeah, creating that version I, of Superboy. I, oh, I couldn't tell you. Okay, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. No problem. Uh, yeah. So, what about Marvel's spinner? Well, one more book oh, though. Sorry. One more book. So yeah, no, DC's not done with you yet. <laughs> no, they're not <laughs> done with my wallet either. No, they're not. Uh, Wonder Woman number thirty-seven, The Children of the Gods, Dark Side, is a full-grown adult again. Oh wow! So this is one of those books that kind of got swept under, but this is dealing with a direct continuation of Jeff Johns's Dark Side War. Dark Side War. So at the end of Dark Side War, we had Baby Dark Side, and we even saw Baby Dark Side pop up in Batman Metal. So you know this book is not being talked about, and we have Wonder Woman finally meets her brother, 
And we have Darkseid as an adult, so this is huge. So Jason? do yourself a favor. Yeah, Jason. Yeah, that's what they call yeah. him. Called him Jason. Yeah, so they go out there, and, and I think it all started with Wonder Woman issue 32. So, yeah, go get those back issues. There's going to be I, – I think that's a pot on the stove that we're not paying attention to. Um, so, anyway, so, yeah, that's that's your DC Comics. So after you've taken out your first loan, get ready for your second loan. Um, scrolling along here, going to the Marvel side you know, of things. Unfortunately, though, I, I find my, my weekly order has less and less Marvel in it. I don't know why. I just Some of the stories just aren't hitting with me. You know, it, it's tough. Um, I agree with that because, like, right now, well, like, I'm getting confused with my Marvel. Because you have Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, and you have the amazing Spider-Man, and they're both telling stories about how Pete's essentially a wanted man. And, like, I'm mixing up my stories. I'm like, wait, what am I? Mm. So they're not, you know, like, I'm going to say this because I think I know why. If you think of Thor right now, who's Thor? If you think of Iron Man, who's Iron Man? Cap, we're getting Steve back, but even then, is it Cap? You know, which cap is it? What about Hydra cap? And so I think that's why your Marvel comics are less because you're not reading your characters. Hmm. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. That's I mean, kind of how I, I you know, and I, and I don't know. We, we, I, we spent a whole good chunk of this podcast talking about characters and what they mean to you. But uh, I, I wonder if it's, you know, are, is Marvel losing, losing, losing uh, some of their top creators i mean are they are they going with new new blood is that is is, are the stories just not hitting with maybe my demographic i guess well the thing is and i think it's something happened i mean something happened in marvel i know i've heard a lot of backlash and a lot of writers have left matt fraction he doesn't want to work for marvel uh jonathan hickman he doesn't want to work for marvel and he's even been teasing that oh i just had lunch with some dc people so it's not that they don't want to work for a big company it's not you know they, they obviously love these heroes so why was the big talent leaving marvel even to some point like bendis is always going to be friendly but bendis leaving marvel you know it's not like he was you know foreseeing that he was going to have this eyesight thing and he's like before i die i've got some bucket list stuff right you know but there's been a lot of changes and even with axel alonso you know when joe quesada left eic he was like i got a huge promotion you know i'm the 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 cco the creative chief officer character chief officer something like that Mm -hmm. and that was a promotion so he moved up axel alonso i don't even know if he works for marvel anymore I mean, he's been off the radar, so, and I haven't heard people talk about their experience at Marvel being great. Uh, I think it was Jeff Parker, wasn't he writing X Men? He hated it, and that's sad to hear because to me, I would give to write X Men. I would love that challenge. I think that'd be great. So yeah, Marvel's stable is not as good as it used to be. But, and um, you know, I, I can't say that you know it. it I, I, I don't know what it is. It's just uh, some of the, the storylines and stuff that I see just don't seem appealing to me. And, and that's, you know, terrible because I, I want to I want to learn. I want to discover new talents. I want to, yeah. you know, find, oh, look, there's this new up and coming writer. He's writing. He's writing Venom right now, you know, and the book is amazing. But it's just like I read the synopsis of these books and I'm like, I, I don't care. I don't want to want to read it. So I don't know. I, you know, and, and that that saddens me. Maybe maybe it's it's my wallet. You know, like I, I only want to buy certain things and I only <laughs> want to you know, I'm still I, I I'm still collecting somewhat uh, champions. I, I think that's mainly because of uh, Peter David. 
right? No, Mark no. Wade. Mark Wade. Sorry, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know why I get those two mixed up sometimes. The, they're the storyline. No offense to the gentleman, but they're dinosaurs in comics. You no, know? they it's, are. They they've are been around for a long for time. For a long time. You know. So, I don't know. Uh, oh, it's it's been hard on Marvel. I, I agree with that. I've seen that in my own. Like I look, I compare my list, and I'm like, wow, my Marvel list is shrinking a lot. And it's sad because I remember, I think we had this discussion years ago. It's like, I'm a DC fan, but I buy more Marvel comics. I used to be that way. And it, yeah. I laughed because we both found ourselves that way. And now it's like, I'm a DC fan. I buy more DC comics. And I buy a lot more, you know, <laughs> like for me, Marvel is the product. But I, I wonder if it's because we see so much great stuff in their television and movies now. And it's well, just like, they're, it's... <laughs> and I, I don't know. I hate to be one of those people that's like I, I'm not seeing those characters in the in the comic books, so I'm not. That's why I'm not buying the comic books. But because I've always complained about that, I was like, no, you're you're changing my comic books to fit these movies, and I don't like that. I, yeah. I want it the other way around. But I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm part of the problem that, that aspect. Well, I mean, there is some truth to that. That it it is the movies. I mean, if you think about it, what are you going to put more of your talent and energy into? Something that makes you X amount of profit, or something that makes you X, X billions, <laughs> X millions for X sure. Power. Yeah, you know. So it's it's sad, but it's true. But honestly, I am hopeful. I am very hopeful. You know, I'll I'll extend this one. I think I put it out there on Twitter. Buy Marvel two and one. And if you don't like it, I will buy your copy off you. When that goes to you, I'll, I'll see if I can get you a copy by as soon as possible. It's a beautiful book because we realized we're missing the Fantastic Four. We're looking at the X-Men. They're not the X-Men. I mean, honestly, ask yourself, where's Professor X? Well, he just came back, but now he's alive in, um, oh, what's that weird character? The Shadow King? Uh, no. no. Um, he was created during Grant Morrison's run. He was like weapon... The, the what the white oh, mask Phantom X. yeah Phantom X so Charles Xavier's running around Phantom X's body Cyclops is dead Jean is dead but she's she's gonna start coming back so to me that's a sign of hope that it's like okay maybe the X Men are gonna get rejuvenated Wolverine is old man Logan yes Wolverine's finally back but we haven't seen anything yet you know Colossus Colossus is shaken more than usual Colossus should be a man of conviction with his character growth. For him to actually, you know, I remember during Fatal Attractions when he picked up Magneto and he walked over with the bad guys and he was like, I'm going with them. It's like, oh, my God. And to me, that was like another moment. Like after when when Colossus first killed Proteus, that was when Pete stopped being a boy. And then when Colossus went with the Acolytes, that's when Pete started thinking on his own. And I was just blown away by that. I was like, my gosh. So these X-Men, like the only character who's really grown is Kitty. But truth be told, if you read uh, Josh Whedon's run on X-Men, you're reading the same stuff again because it goes back to that. Well, let's bring Kitty in and let's try to hit that home run. Yeah. Well, you already hit that home run. Bring Jubilee. Let Jubilee be the focus. Try another character. Let them be the focus. But right now, it's just it's let's go to Kitty. Let's hit that nostalgia. And it's not the right nostalgia because it's the all new X Men, the time traveling ones. Well, I'm not invested in them. I don't. They don't sound right. You know, they're not acting the way I would have expected them to. Because you know, you're you're sticking this this Hank McCoy, Bobby Drink, Warren Worthington in my face. They're not the ones that I know. You know, so yeah, there's, it's a lot of, you know, like here, drink this Mountain Dew and you're like, it tastes like lemonade. No, it's Mountain Dew. I swear, you know, so there is a lot of change in that and it's tough, you know, but I'm hopeful that with the, the, the Disney Fox merger, we can say the F word again. We can say fantastic <laughs> and it's great, you know, so we're going to start seeing our fantastic four return. I think X-Men will be a priority again. I mean, as much as I love the Avengers, 
I do want the X-Men to be a priority, and I'm glad, that, or I'm hopeful that it will be. So I think with the series of the Phoenix Resurrection, that'll be good. But I hate this, that I look at X-Men Red, I'm not excited. Speaking of X-Men Avengers, uh, I was doing my order for, what is it, March? In December? I think so. March. Uncanny Avengers wasn't on there? Did they get canceled? You know, I think they did turn that one into like a 12-issue book. Oh. Like, it's just like, okay, here we go. But what are you going to do with those characters? And that's a shame because obviously that was something you were enjoying. Yeah. Where does that go? Because now you have to ask yourself, and I'll even ask you point blank, could you see yourself reading X-Men Gold still? No, I, I dropped so X-Men Gold. There's that. What about X-Men Blue? I wanted to read more of X-Men Blue, but like you said, like some of the characters just seemed yeah. a little off. And then all you're, now you're just left with X-Men Red. and I'm not going to pick up X-Men Red. Yeah, so I'm it's sorry. Like, that's a shame. Well, I agree with you. I mean, like I love Jean Grey. You know, I'm a big Cyclops fan. For me, it's always Scott and Jean, so it's like I want to read this because I know that's where they're going to drop hints with Cyclops and all that. But and I and what makes me even more sad is it's Tom Taylor writing that book. He is an amazing writer, but I just with like six or seven characters in that book and only really one that I care about, I can't pull that trigger for a three dollar book on something that I'm not necessarily invested in. So yeah. yeah. But I mean to me it's like stop watering down your X Men, do the two books, and then integrate. You know, it's like, okay, let's have a crossover, you know, do a crossover in summer, do a crossover in winter. Give me the baseball issue. Give me the, the give me the basketball issue. We want those things, you know, but we're not there yet. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Okay. Spinner rack. All right. Spinner rack. So um, this one's neat. So Spider-Man, amazing that is. So Amazing Spider-Man issue 793 is out there. This has been fun. Uh, this is, it, it's, it's part of a crossover called Venom Incorporated. So, so far, <clears throat> we, we have Eddie Brock has the symbiote back. The new kid that was created to have the symbiote after Flash, he's got some amazing powers and control over the symbiote. So, he's been going around collecting symbiotes and then, like, mass producing and making his own little symbiotes. Flash confronted Eddie to get the symbiote back. Flash is now the new anti-Venom. So, it's Agent Venom, but in reverse colors. Right. And so we're, we're just seeing this chase around New York. Uh, the cover shows a very Venom-esque Spider-Man grabbing Jonah and yelling at him. So I'm like, all right, this looks interesting. Uh, I think that would be part three. It's been fun so far. Uh, I'll have to post some of the issue numbers up there, but that one's been worthwhile. Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, issue 14. I know that was a book that you were reading there for a while. Yeah, I'm um, still reading it. I, I still enjoy that, that book. You know what's funny? And this is where something happens in the numbers. So come June, who knows what could happen. <laughs> Renew Your Vows is the best-selling Spider-Man book. Really? Yep. That's, so that's fans are saying something. Fans are saying like this, something. The the most recent issue I read was the one where um, uh, they did the, the the time jump. They jumped to yeah. Um, she's like in high school now. Annie's in yeah, in, in high school and uh, uh, good, still still a good book. I love the way they portray Peter Parker. You know, he's he's very much the, a dad. He's you know he 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 wears the dad clothes. He makes the dad <laughs> jokes and. Uh, he loves it, and you know, but he's still Peter Parker uh, to the to the effect that you know family is important, and uh, you know all that goodness. Goodness. So, uh, and right now they're they're talking about you know uh, at least in the issue I was reading, she needs a new name, a new code name. Cause, Ooh, cause Spiderling. Spiderling isn't good anymore because she's not a little child. So, right. so you have uh, you know uh, Mary Jane is Spinneret. Peter Parker is uh, uh, Spider Man. Uh -huh. So what? 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 What's the new name for her? And 
I think they say things like, oh, she's at one point she's like, I wish I could just take Spider-Woman, but I can't because Julie Carpenter's using it, and she doesn't even have spider powers, so I don't even yeah. understand that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, you know, there's one name out there, and looking at the numbers, we're on Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, issue 14. Let that simmer, get to about issue 20, and create a story called Who is Spider-Girl? Oh. And then you have Mayday pop in, and we could play with some Spider-Verse wow, action some coming MCU out. MCU too. I, I think that'd be it. There's a free idea, Marvel. You're more than welcome to call me and we'll talk. <laughs> uh, this is a trade that's actually kind of neat. Avengers Tales to Astonish. I don't know if you remember these, but it was right around the success of Marvels. So we had painted artwork uh, by Alex Ross written by Kurt Busiek. So, you know, hey, let's get lightning in a bottle again. So they commissioned other artists to paint and do these stories. So this was a throwback to some comic titles of the old days. Tales to Astonish, Strange Tales, and Tales of Suspense. So they made these three one-shots. James Robinson either wrote one or all of them, and they're basically classic Marvel tales told in the classic Marvel fashion with painted art. So if you want something pretty to look at, check that book out. Um, I've I, I, You might get lucky and actually find the actual books in the dollar bins. That might be the better way to go. <laughs> but those were they were really neat looking. And now with more comic knowledge, I'd love to find those and read them myself so that way I could see what I was missing out when I read them when I was younger. Um, ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, number twelve. We got a year, thank God. Um, I yeah. so I gotta say, and I know you've been reading this too because of the Slingers crossover, right? So I want to say I think it was issue seven or eight, and it was the one with the cover where he's in the the costume and you just see his skull face looking at you, and I thought that was so cool because he was talking with Marla and she's like, "Look, this is your soul," and they're looking at this damaged orb, and he's like, "You've been through so much, but don't let it eat you." Don't let it consume you. Be a good man. And he's like, okay, got it. And, you know, and then she was even, you know, or he's like, well, can you bring Kane back? Can you save the little girl? And she's like, I'll do one. And he's like, well, then, then take me. You know, this is my fault. And so she's like, good, you're, you're making your way. And I was like, awesome. And then in the Slingers book, I don't know how far you are. I think we're at the same pace maybe. Probably. Where he beat up the the the, the, the other bat, the, the other cause, casino owner. Right. So he beat him up, and then when he took off his mask, he's got, like, that black eye. And I was like, oh, man, come on, Ben. You're stepping back. Right. And, like, I mean, I do want to see Ben deal with something more because Ben's always been the lighthearted Spider-Man. Peter was the angsty one. Don't let Ben go that route. Mm. You know, let this be a hiccup. Don't let it be the reoccurring, you know. Uh, but anyway, so I keep buying this book. Support this book because it's going to cross over into an event starting next year called Damnation. That looks awesome. Doctor Strange, Iron Fist, Scarlet Spider, Ghost Rider, and many others are going to be going in to face Las Vegas tempted and owned by Mephisto. This looks good. I'm super stoked for that one. Uh, let's see. What else do we have coming out? Captain Marvel, issue 127. This is another one, just kind of like what's going on with Wonder Woman. There's something going on in Captain Marvel's book. She's in an alternate dimension, and that's where they found one of the Infinity Stones. So right now, they've been doing a lot of talk about where are the stones? What are we Infinity counting down towards? And I kind of find it funny that it's Doomsday Clock and Infinity Countdown. <laughs> I love when that symmetry happens. But anyway, so yeah, she recently had to fight an alternate universe Star-Lord to get a stone. Now, what I'm curious about is, and we've seen this before because the way the laws are written, in the comics that is, 
So the Infinity Gauntlet doesn't do anything in the DC Universe. That's why Dark Side was like, here, take the stupid thing. I don't care. Um, so we know it doesn't work. And even in Marvel Comics itself, when we saw during like the Secret Wars stuff or Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run, it doesn't work anywhere else except for the 616 because of the stones from the 616. So how's this going to work? So I'm very curious to see, is the rule still there? Is it just something they forgot? What are we talking about? So that'll be, I'm, I'm curious. So I'm hoping this issue pays off with some of the ideas there. Um, and speaking of stones and guardians, you're in luck. Guardians of the Galaxy issue 147 got a second print. Now, if you were a fan of the DNA run, uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, it was awesome because they really did a good job of getting Star-Lord and Nova to be buddies because they basically served in two wars together. So they have that camaraderie and they even sacrificed themselves and died together. But of course, you know, properties are huge. So they came back to life. And I like this issue because Pete finally finds out Nova's alive. So he goes and tracks down Richard Ryder. The first thing he does is he punches him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like that's either stop impersonating my friend or why didn't you talk to me sooner you know so i just that was cool i loved that moment i thought that was great so do yourself a favor get that second print follow that story it's been doing awesome invincible iron man issue 595 uh this is going to be the search for tony stark so we're looking for tony where is tony what's going on so you know you've got infamous iron man dr doom you have iron heart riri williams and they're you know they're also on this quest to figure out what's going on and by the way this is going to be bendis's last story arc because everything else is written so his issue of iron man 600 will be the last marvel comic so if you want to count down and see what's going on jump on that book now um ba -ba -ba -ba, let's see mighty thor issue 701 got a second printing we're i don't know what's going to happen with jane foster thor so obviously this issue had some importance that it got reprinted i'm about two issues behind i bought 700 and 701 myself uh i'm excited to see what's going to happen so there's something in that issue i wish i was caught up to read it uh peter parker the spectacular spider-man 297 got a reprint as well that one, if I remember correctly, if I remember the numbers, I believe that's the one where Pete reveals his identity to J. Jonah Jameson. Um, it's a stupid idea, but it was a great issue. The conversation they have, the meal they share, that was to watch Jay go through that issue, I almost felt sorry for him. Like, you don't realize how much of a broken man he is because the book's called Spider-Man. We don't pay attention to what happens to Jay. And Jay's gone through quite a few losses. So I thought that was really neat to read. Uh, Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey. Yeah, this is a big moment. I think it's been damn near 12 years. Jean Grey has been dead. Yeah, I know you could say, well, well she's in. Oh, that's the time loss one with the weird haircut. <laughs> we don't know if it's Jean or not. Who knows anymore? Um, this issue, I got to flip through a little bit of it. There's guest stars galore. And as a Cyclops fan... This last page hit me because, you know, there's this waitress who looks exactly like Jean, wears a name tag, I think it says Jean, and, you know, on the door, somebody knocks and she opens it up, it's her boyfriend to take her on a date, and here's this guy, hey, it's Scott, yeah. what? You know, we saw Sean Cassidy in there, so the Banshee, now These there's some missing characters, they're in this book, why, what's going on? So when we get Phoenix Resurrection, is this going to be like Green Lantern Rebirth? Because when we read Green Lantern Rebirth, we think, oh, it's Hal Jordan, right? No, that was the spark that brought us back to Green Lantern Corps. So is Phoenix Resurrection, is Gene going to be the spark that gives us some of the missing X-Men? So I'm excited. I cannot wait to sit down and read this one. Um, there's like a bajillion covers. Yeah. So 
I don't know. Pick what you like. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, Spider-Man Deadpool issue 25 deals with Pete and Wade being old men. So it's kind of funny. Uh, Spider-Man 2 issue 5 came out today. Seems this like is a big one. It's been taking a while. Yeah. It's been kind of, I think it's almost been like on an every other month uh, basis. Um, I haven't, uh, there's a lot of fallout in this one. The Ultimate Universe is back, I think. Or Miles is quitting. Oh, wow. So this is huge. Um, I know, I, I think I saw the last page where Miles is like, I want to be my own man. So is he not going to be Spider-Man? What's going to happen? This is going to be very interesting. So I am looking forward to I will probably actually just gather all the issues and read it in one spot because <laughs> I want to see all the clues as they're happening. Right. Um, like, yeah, it, got, it threw me off for a bit. Thanos 14 is out there. Thanos 14 is weird. Um, we're dealing with the future. So taking some time travel here. Um, Thanos is in the future. He's he's fighting for possession, I think, of the Time Stone. And we have this weird future Ghost Rider Herald that seems to be acting like Deadpool. So who could it be? We don't know. Maybe this issue will tell us. I haven't had a chance to read it, but I definitely know I'm going to be hitting some of the back issues for Thanos. This is part of the Thanos wins story. So... What is he winning, and how does it happen? Now, is this the ongoing Thanos book that was part of the controversy of why Jim Starlin quit? Yes. So the story behind that, Jim Starlin, he loves to write his stories in threes. And you can trace it all the way back to his mega opus with the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity War, the Infinity Crusade. So a lot of people think, oh, well, it's just the Infinity Gauntlet. No, that's only part of the story. You know, there's there's still 12 more issues to go. Um, and we're not even counting the crossovers. So he recently, he's been doing the original graphic novels, as they call them. So sometimes they'll take it, chop it up into a five-part miniseries and sell it weekly and then recreate, recollect it. Or he'll just put out a series of graphic novels. So I believe he put the first novel out. And then he was looking at the Thanos comic book, and it's like, that's my story. And so he's mad at the editors because, in his words, he says they're lying. Right. And you know, he, he put it out there you know, multiple times. He's like, I'm not upset with Marvel. I'm not upset with Disney. I'm not upset with the company at all. I'm literally only upset with the editor, and I believe it's Tom, Tom Beverut. Yeah, yeah. Beverut. Which is a shame because Tom's a cool dude. <laughs> And he said, you know, that he just straight up lied. He, he said, you know, when and when he was called out on it, he he uh, he backpedaled and then lied again. And yep. It sounds like uh, whatever storyline that he was working on in these three graphic novels, the the summation at the end is too similar to what the storyline yeah. in the Thanos ongoing. And the editor should be the one to be like, hey. These are too similar. We shouldn't make this. This shouldn't happen. Yeah, and then one of you's got a tweak. Who feels comfortable and who can do it faster? Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's um, definitely the thing that happened there, and it's un it's unfortunate. Yeah, and I feel bad because honestly, I don't know if we're gonna see the other two parts of his graphic novel. It novels. doesn't sound like. So I mean, that would they be might find someone else to, to finish it up. Well, but. I hope they do because can you imagine all the fans that want to purchase that? Well, I mean, there's still fans know. out there that are waiting for uh, the second part of daredevil whatever oh right? god daredevil the target i think yeah yeah, yeah. thanks uh kevin, kevin smith <laughs> good point um all right almost done with the spinner rack so true believers these are the reprints you will have the death of phoenix phoenix origins and phoenix what if death of phoenix will basically capture the um the, the death of Jean Grey, the original Phoenix saga, the the end of the Dark Phoenix saga. So that is definitely worthwhile because it's a dollar to get that phenomenal comic book for a dollar. That's awesome. On a personal note, I finally did it. I finally got the actual issue. 
Um, I have the last two parts of the death of Phoenix. So I'm tempted to try to get the whole Dark Phoenix saga, but with the movie happening, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Maybe if the movie's bad enough, that'll bring prices down. So (laughs) ka-ching. And actually, I have to run a retraction. This is the death of modern Jean Grey. So this is... At New X-Men issue 150. So this is when Grant Morrison killed her. Because I would say Magneto killed her, but I guess they retconned that, that that wasn't Magneto. It was Zorn? It, but it was not Zorn. It was a Magneto dressed as a Zorn, but neither of them were Magneto or Zorn. Yeah, it's Grant Morrison. It's the but it's not his fault because that's the editors. They didn't want to like, oh, what do we do? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Phoenix Origins is basically a reprint of the Jean Grey Origins one shot. That's very hard to get on the secondary market. So, again, a dollar. And then the Phoenix What If, that was a cool What If story. Basically, this is the original ending of the Dark Phoenix saga. So Chris Claremont was going to have the Shi'ar basically uh, take her powers away. And then she would just live her life as a normal person. But Jim Shooter was like, no, that's not fair. She killed a planet. She has to die. So this was the original ending of the Dark Phoenix saga. For a dollar, treat yourself. And the last two items on the list here, the Venomverse trade paperback. If you like Spider-Verse and you're a fan of Venom, this is it. This is where you get a whole bunch of different Venoms from across the multiverse. And then the last thing on the list is X-Men Blue number 18. They've been time traveling. So I guess it's not just restricted to one universe. Uh, They've gotten shot into the future, and right now they're back in the past. So they're seeing Gen X. But the question is, are they seeing Generation X now, or are they seeing Generation X of the 90s? I'm not sure. So this will be a fun issue to read. And that's what's on the spinner rack, so you better go get a second job. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's talk about (laughs) some holiday stories in our comic books. I couldn't really think of very many. Uh, so I, I don't have a lot, but I know one of the uh, few stories that I do remember was the JSA Christmas one. Uh, I have it here. It's pulled up. It's uh, Be Good for Goodness Sakes, JSA number 55. Oh, okay. Does that sound familiar to you? Uh, yeah, I'd have it's, to see the it's, cover. It's the return of uh, Ma Hunkle. The, oh, that was the a beautiful original issue. Red Tornado, yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, they come about and they um, uh, find out that she went into hiding uh, witness protection because she testified against the mob back in the day. So, but every year she still came around the Justice Society to dress up as Santa and uh, give out presents to the kids. Come to find out, and that's when everybody discovers that it's her. And she's like, and I, I think it's, I, I don't remember which hero it is, but one of the heroes is like, look, all the people you testified against, they're all dead. They, it was Wildcat. They all passed out. Maybe it was Wildcat. They've all passed away. You can come out of hiding. And she becomes the the new den mother for the JSA. Something like that. Yeah. yeah she's like the curator. There you yeah. go. I think she's the curator of the JSA Museum. On which top then of eventually brings about the, you know, her granddaughter coming in as a cyclone. Cyclone. Yeah. yeah. It's as the, as a member of the J, the new JSA or whatever it is. And when they bring in all the kids, the, the next generation of heroes, you know, it's funny. Like, I guess you, you gravitated probably more towards Young Justice because that was definitely the book. For me, it was JSA in that regard, like those next generation of heroes. Mm-hmm. And like, I miss that era of DC. Mm-hmm. You know, it's me too. Like, oh man, I, I wish. That was the true legacy you know? era. Yeah. Right there. You know, I mean, you had all those characters. I mean, I love the dynamic between Dr. Midnight and Mr. Terrific. I thought those two guys, Michael and Peter, they had a great chemistry. 
I love to see them, you know, working together. Uh, even the villains were more compelling as well. You know, Roulette, she was a cool character. She was. You know, so it's like, all right, what are we doing? And then it just stopped. So I am very hopeful in this new DC. But, man, that was a that was a beautiful issue. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, see, uh, Jeff Johns Kirk, I guess, is the artist. I don't know who Oh, Kirk. Um, Champagne. Kirkman. Oh, Kirk Champagne? Oh, well, it just says Johns and then Kirk and then Champagne and then Von Grobberg Badger. Rob Badger. I think Kirk's an artist. Leonardo Kirk? Leo Kirk? I think. I forget. But yeah, John's, I think, by that point was definitely writing the book solo. Right. Um, people forget Robinson and Goyer were the ones that launched the JSA. JSA yeah. And Jeff didn't come in until about like, issue three or six, something like that. Uh, did you have a, a story? One of the stories? Well, yeah, I've got a couple, and I know some of these. Once I mention them, they're going to come to your mind. Yeah. So the, the the biggest one I remember. So I remember as a kid, like Christmas as a kid was beautiful. At least you know, and then I always experienced Christmas as an outsider. This sounds weird, but I never had Christmas growing up, and so I always longed for it, and I always always want to see it. So one of the first chances I could, because comic books were my big escape. Um, I remember there was a store and they actually had a big birth of back issues. So I would always flip through it. And now, of course, you cheat as a kid. You buy the team books. Why? Because you get more heroes that way. And one of the best books out there was The Brave and the Bold. Why? Because you get Batman and you get a bonus. <laughs> so I picked up the one of my first classic comics that I ever got to own. And it was Brave and the Bold, the part of the original Brave and the Bold, the first series, issue 184. Um, it's a beauty. Why? Because it's Jim Aparo art. Mike Barr was the writer and Batman teams up with the Huntress. Why is this one any different than the others? Well, because back then the Huntress was the daughter of Bruce Wayne of earth two. So Bruce Wayne of earth two is dead. Um, it's the holidays. So Huntress comes to earth one to see Bruce. So in a way they're kind of a lost family seeing each other. And, of course, they wind up getting involved in a case. And then this delves more into the origins of Batman himself. So Batman basically finds out that his father may have been bankrolling criminals. Wow. And so it's like, oh, my God. You know, my dad was sponsoring the mafia. I can't do this. And, you know, it's the famous scene where he stands at the grave and he rips his cowl off. And he's like, and that's the cover, too. Like, that was the beautiful part of it. You know, you have a Bruce Wayne or Batman ripping off the cowl to see his face. And he's like, you know, my parents deserve to die. And the Batman must die as well. The Batman's last Christmas. And it's so cheesy. It screams of the melodrama. But I just love that. I always thought that was great. And that was one of my first official comics that was of the Christmas era. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love that one. Um, some other stories though, that I have to read during the holiday season. So I know you've read this one. Superman Peace on Earth. Oh, yeah. It's a great, I mean, I associate it with Christmas. It might not always be a Christmas tale, but I just think of those moments when he's flying the tree to put it down and, you know, then he gets it in his mind. And to me, that's the beauty of Christmas. And it's always the biggest challenge. Keep Christmas in your heart all year long. And to me, I think that's something that Clark gets in his mind, but he doesn't, you know, it's think globally, act locally, but he takes it to a further spectrum. Why? Well, because he's Superman. So that's a beautiful story. I always love to pull that one out. Um, another one that comes to mind is Metropolis Mailbag. So I don't know if you read that official one. Let me see if I can get the actual issue number. So Metropolis Mailbag had um, 
two titles that went that way. So the first one appeared back in Superman 64. Now, this isn't the original Superman 64. This is <laughs> right. this Superman 64 of the 90s. Uh, Dan Jurgens and Jackson Geis gave us that issue. And I believe Jackson Geis is the inker. So this is full on Dan Jurgens' writing and art. So it's beautiful art. And I love that one because... We, this is where, and now, you know, again, this was kind of neat for me because my dad's a mailman or was a mailman. And so Superman goes to the post office and there's a room where they have all these letters to Superman. So, and it's funny because you can see Superman's thought bubbles and he's like, I don't want to do this. And you're kind of like, geez, Superman, don't be a jerk. It's Christmas, you know, but it's hard because as you read these letters, they're asking for impossible things, you know? One is of a kid asking, like, you can cure cancer. You can do anything, so cure me of cancer. And it's like, wow, you would have to be invulnerable to survive reading that letter. You know, that's hard. Um, but two of the major standouts are, one is a woman, you know, she she discovers that her sister's still alive. They both survived the Holocaust. And she's wondering, can Superman help get her there? And Superman's like, sure. He flies over, picks up the woman, flies her over to Paris so she can be reunited with her sister. That's cool. You know, that was a neat moment. The other one is another young boy, and he writes in. He's like, hey, my father is dying. Can you help him? And, you know, Superman reads another letter where, you know, this this woman, I think it was a woman or a man, I forget, but they're writing in saying, I need a heart. Is there any way you can help me with that? And so Superman's like, I just can't do it. But he's like, I got to go talk to this boy. I have to tell him that I'm Superman. You know, emphasis on the man, not on the super. Mm -hmm. So when he flies over there, he meets the little boy and the little boy's angry. He's like, you're too late. My father died. You know, how could you? How could you let this happen? And so the mom's like, well, that's nice that you came, but, you know, and so they start talking and that's when Superman's like, look, I'm a man. There's only so much I can do. And then it kind of crosses his mind. He's like, because I think the, the hospital asks, oh, what was, was your husband an organ donor? And they're like, no, you know. And so Superman's like, well, wait a minute. There's this woman who needs a heart. Is there any way we could work it? So he, by showing up there, he winds up finding a heart to help this woman live. And so he can comfort the family by saying, your father has done something amazing even after he's moved on. And it's just a beautiful little story. I think that's neat. And then I've always been a big fan of this one. And it was tough that year at Christmas when we were kids. The death of Superman. Mm. Superman died on Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. The funeral happened in December. So they had Metropolis Mailbag 2. And that was part of the whole uh, funeral for a friend and all that stuff. And so I remember, I always remember that cover because it had all the, the superheroes um, perched across the Daily Planet and it had them all veeing out. And I think it was um, Batman was throwing the cape and they all even had like the armbands and stuff like that. And I just thought that was an amazing issue because it kind of dealt with the same idea. The heroes gather and they're like, well, this is something Clark used to do. So what do we do? How can we do this? And it ties in the story of Mitch a little bit better because the kid, his family were the ones that first stumbled across Doom. Well, Doomsday crashed in their house. And then that kid was like, oh, I'm a Guy Gardner fan. Superman's stupid. You know, he's not going to, he's going to get his ass kicked. And as it happened, you know, basically like their family was destroyed and we come into it a little bit more. So you find out that the father left the family. The mom's now worried because her son's missing. Mitch traveled. Mitch is the missing son. So he traveled to Metropolis to pay his respects and all these sorts of things. Um, it's Superman volume two issue 76. So it's the 
issue right after the death. Um, and it's just neat how you see the heroes come together. Like they actually wind up going there. Um, I think Robin finds Mitch. No, Jimmy Olsen finds Mitch. So he gets him to go on a bus back home. Um, Green Lantern and Flash, I think, wind up. They help somebody reunite. So I think they want to bring in the bring in the father as well. Then you see the heroes actually building a home for that family. Um, I don't know. They're just these little offbeat tales of Christmas yeah. time. And I've always liked those. You know, I think they were neat. Um, I think two of the ones that I, I remember, I, I kind of remember. I don't really remember the individual stories, but uh, there's the, the DCU ho- Holiday Bash 2 and 3. Oh, those are fun books. Like, yeah. And those are just, it's just a bunch of uh, individual stories, you know, to fill the book of, you know, where said heroes are at this moment and doing whatever. And I, I remember enjoying them. I couldn't tell you what different stories that are involved in. I just remember the one cover, I think it's ho- Holiday Bash 2, where you have, uh, uh, is it? Not not Rust, but um, Girder. It's like Girder is in oh, okay. a hol- uh, Santa <laughs> Santa outfit or something like that. Right. Yeah. For whatever reason, <laughs> I don't know. Just something that I remember. Yeah. No, I I love those books when they would put those out. They, they used to be really good. Um, and one last story because I noticed a lot of my my holidays came out of the DC universe, and this is a funny one. Um, the Phoenix Saga. Oh. That takes place during Christmas. The X-Men are on holiday, and they go into the big city, and you know Scott and Jean are on their date, and but that's when the night the Sentinels strike. And so they wind up taking them. Dr. Peter Corblew, I think was his name. No, I think Peter Corblew was their ally. Um, but anyways, yeah, he revived the Sentinel program to kidnap the mutants and took them all into space. Um, and I just always remember that one. I think it was like issue 99 or 100 of the X-Men. And that was just kind of neat. And there was one book. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but the X-Men did, they did a big, like 100 page special. And it was right around, um, it was right after, it was right around the astonishing X-Men era around that time period after the new X-Men stuff. And they had a big issue there where like they had these little classic stories of the X-Men during Christmas time. Hmm. So, but yeah, no, those are some of the comics I always think about and I always pull out around that time to read. In doing the research there, I did come across a story where a lot of people said that this is one of their favorite, uh, comic book Christmas stories was, uh, yes, Virginia, there is a Santatron, which is a Marvel holiday special number one. I have no idea what this, this issue is. I, I don't think I've ever read this book. Uh, I mean, obviously it's just a one shot book, but it's it's got, it looks like an Ultron bot dressed as Santa, and then <laughs> this cover, this picture of, of something that's inside of it's got the most random version of the of the Avengers. I would have to say you got um, Spider Man, Giant Wasp, uh, Yellow Jacket, Spider Woman, Wonder Man, T'Challa, Iron Man, Wolverine, Power Man, uh, Iron Fist, She Hulk, Doctor Strange. Captain Mar- or Captain America, and then um, uh, I think his name is Gravity, like a you know t- teen superhero with the ability of, uh, to manipulate gravity. Right. Uh, you know he's I've only seen him in a few stories, <laughs> but like to for him to be in, uh, involved in this story, it's I, I want to read this. I want to know what it's about. Yeah, I'll have to definitely check that one out myself. Then. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's it's, it's pretty good. Some good holiday ramblings from holiday us. Holiday ramblings there. It's a lot of ramblings. Um, if anybody has anything they'd like to add to the discussion of what we've talked about today, uh, you want to tell us some of your favorite Christmas stories, 
We'd love to hear it. I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Chris is also on Twitter as stuff I should say, sh- stuff I should say, and should is spelled S H U D. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page, and GeekEliteRadio.com is our webpage. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio network. But until next time, this is the this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.